0: He's amused Cam Newton. <laughs> he's been insulted by Charles Barkley. When some idiot in the press asked him, if you know what you know now, what you got to schedule this game?
1: He's interviewed Matthew McConaughey. I do say
0: go Tar Heel. And he's taken on Big Blue Nation. He's just completely taken the wind out of my sails. <laughs> it's time for The Drive with Josh Graham.
2: You were on a Tuesday drive where we've been hit by a tidal wave of golf news today. The U.S. opens next week, and Tiger Woods announced he won't be playing in it as he focuses his sights on St. Andrews next month. And the USGA said today, they're not going to bar golfers who've chosen to play in the Live Golf Tour that starts later this week. They're not going to bar those players from playing and the U.S. Open. Speaking of Live Golf, they had a press conference in London today ahead of their inaugural event this weekend. And I've really had an issue with the way that this event has been talked about and the way that some of these golfers are being painted. And I really started to have issues when I started to hear some of the statements from John Rahm Talking about loyalty to the PGA Tour and reading a USA Today story that said that these golfers were accepting blood money and literally working for murderers. Now, Phil Mickelson, he deserves all the heat he's received. He announced yesterday he's going to be participating in Live Golf. He deserves all the heat because he said what he said earlier this year it's abhorrent. You said it while being recorded. You deserve all of that heat. But does Graham McDowell deserve it? Does Dustin Johnson? Does Louis Oosthuizen, who all spoke earlier today? And the answer to that isn't really black and white. I don't think it's they deserve all the punishment or they don't deserve any at all. I think there's a line. I think there's a line you can cross where it no longer feels fair to criticize them. I think they were looking for a payday and to make more money doing less work. Who can't get behind that? If they would have just said that at the press conference today, I'd sign off on it and say, I completely understand where you're coming from. But we do this thing where we hold athletes and public figures to standards we wouldn't hold ourselves to. If I'm being honest, and this is Josh Graham speaking, I can't in good faith bash the live golf defectors. We'd all likely do the same thing. If a sports radio legend, let's say Cowherd, was starting a media company and it was backed by the Saudi government, hey, we want to do something new in sports radio And we're going to pay you $100 million, Josh, to join our podcast network or to join our radio show network. I think, as much as I love things here at WSJS, and the salary is pretty close to what I just painted in that hypothetical, it'd be a tough decision, but I'd probably consider that. And I think, whatever the equivalent is for you, you'd consider that. And it's not like, again, they would be answering. To the government. They're not answering straight to the crown prince. They're answering to one of the greatest golfers of all time, Greg Norman. And I just now realized, Will, I'm wearing a Greg Norman brand shirt. That was not intentional. Uh
3: Uh-huh.
2: Will Dalton. The WD. The WD. Executive producer on today's show. Taking your calls at 336-777-1600. On Twitter at WSJS Radio. It's the age-long question. How much... Would you be willing to look past for $100 million? They're answering to Greg Norman, who's going to make it about golf. So I really do buy Graham McDowell's answer here when he's asked about the ethics of his decision to join Live Golf. Speaking personally, I really feel like you know golf's a force of good in the world. Um, I just try to be a great role model to kids. I know what the game of golf has taught me. And uh, I, I love using the game of golf as as a, you know as something to to, to kind of uh, help grow around the, the world. That's pretty much we've done for the last 20 years. Be role models to kids. Try and uh, use this game, like I say, as a as a force of good, really. So you know we're not you know we're not politicians. Um, I know you guys hate that expression, but you know we're really not, unfortunately. And uh, you know we're professional golfers. They are, and it's not just money. They're gaining benefits they wouldn't receive on the PGA Tour. Less events, shorter events, guaranteed pay. It's security for them. Plus, they're likely still going to be able to play in majors, a la the USGA announcement, which is probably going to fall in suit with what the Open Championship does next month. I think it's a greater question what's going to happen with the Masters. I think the PGA is going to fall in line with what the USGA said earlier today. And the existence of this league and the benefits these guys receive likely will improve conditions for the players on the PGA Tour. And I'm not necessarily against that. I do think they're greedy. I do think they're taking the easy way out. I think you could criticize them for that. But calling them, saying they're terrible people and you know, willing to work for murderers by joining this Saudi-backed league in London doesn't feel right. We're fine with this. In other sectors, we're fine with almost the same exact thing. The WWE actually has shows in Saudi Arabia. I feel like the tenor of this would be different if they were having the event in Saudi Arabia versus in London. We, our government trades with saudi arabia been doing so for decades and we're cool with that right right i don't know the answer to that it seems like people are cool about it china they don't have the greatest human rights record but how much are we willing to look past in the way of the nba's cozy partnership with china I'm cool with it on both fronts. Now, I do think there's fair criticism of LeBron and some of the others that speak out on the NBA and Steve Kerr who aren't willing to speak out on those topics. I think that's fair. But the question's really directed towards the folks that are cool, say, with the NBA and their partnership with China, but not cool here with what these golfers are choosing to do. I'm fine either way within the realm of... You are open to criticism, but I'm not going to call you murder associates. I'm not going to do that. I can't in good faith do that. Shifting things. Yesterday, both the East Carolina and North Carolina baseball teams handled their business, do or die Game 7s at home. They're both going to host Super Regionals this weekend, and in both cases, I feel the same way about them. Will Dalton, have you seen the movie Clerks?
3: Of course not.
2: Don't even know why I asked. Me neither. Kevin Smith movie in the 90s. It's hilarious. It's shot in black and white. The line from that movie that stands out, in addition to, most girls just cheat on you. This girl brought you lasagna. Aside from that, the line that stands out from this movie is this line right here from Clerks. I'm not even supposed to be here today. I'm not even supposed to be here today. And that's exactly how I feel about the Tar Heels and the Pirates. They're both not even supposed to be here today. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Carolina was 18 and 14 in late April, 8 and 13 in the ACC. They were just fighting to get into the ACC tournament. Since then, they are 24 and 5 with a tournament title in Charlotte to boot. The Tar Heels were also on the brink of original. They were on the brink, getting eliminated in their regional in Chapel Hill this past weekend. They lost Saturday, which required them to win three in a row, and they had to win two of those three games without their manager who was thrown out and then ejected, or then suspended, excuse me, for both of Sunday's games. That's Scott Forbes. And they left little doubt, won two games, and then won yesterday. As for ECU, they weren't supposed to be here today either. I'm not even supposed to be here today. They simply weren't a good baseball team in February. And then I wrote them all. They lost their starting pitcher, who took a supplement that he probably should not have taken, tested positive for performance enhancers. He's out for the remainder of the season. I wrote them all. Off to a bad start. You lose your starting pitcher. Good job. Good effort. We'll talk to you next year. And then I remember looking down at some of the projections for regional hosts. I'm like, wait, ECU's hosting? Wait, how many in a row have they won? 18 in a row? And now they're hosting Texas for a super. And North Carolina, because of Arkansas's win in Stillwater, they're going to be hosting the Razorbacks. Exciting. But, if I'm being honest, neither the Pirates nor the Tar Heels were supposed to be here today.
3: I'm not even supposed to be here today. And now,
0: the moment you've all been waiting for. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham.
2: Anytime there's a game on TV, odds are I'm finding this guy, Roddy Jones, who also does Radio too. What can he do? He does football. He does ACC baseball. He does lacrosse now. He's on Twitter at RoddyJones20. See, we'll forgive you for being a Georgia Tech guy, but the reason why we have you on is because really your wife is a Wake Forest graduate, so it just makes a lot, lot of sense that you come on, right?
0: Yeah, look, the, the fact that she went to Wake gets me in a lot of doors, a lot more doors than me going to Georgia Tech. So um, I don't know if it was it went into the evaluation of marrying her, but it certainly hasn't hurt her connections to the geeks. So, uh, yeah, she, I appreciate you guys having me on.
2: I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I get married 10 or 11 days from now. and Oh, congratulations. Uh, thank you. And I'm marrying a Virginia grad. So it's something that I'm learning, that a lot of doors are opening up more than – say, my East Carolina connection, even though the Pirates hosting this weekend. And that's where I want to start. I want to talk baseball here. Four ACC teams are in Super Regionals. It looks like it's going to be tough sledding for Louisville, who you had this weekend in College Station. And you got Notre Dame going to Knoxville. That's a really tough draw. But North Carolina's at home. Virginia Tech is at home. Whose draw do you like better in terms of trying to get to Omaha next week?
0: Um, so it's, it's a funny question because Virginia Tech is the team I like the most, but in terms of the two teams that are at home, I would rather see Arkansas than I would see Oklahoma, although Arkansas making out of the, the College Station regional, I'm, excuse me, the, uh, the uh, Stillwater regional means that they're, they're probably ready for just about anything because that regional was absolutely bananas. But Oklahoma's been playing really well for about a month and a half. I mean, they've just been fantastic. So uh, while I like Virginia Tech more, I like the draw of Arkansas better. I still think both Carolina and Virginia Tech, and honestly I I don't hate Louisville going down to College Station. I think all three of those teams have a decent shot to advance. Uh, I would certainly – I would go out and say I think two of them will – Mm. Uh, Virginia Tech being one of them, although I think Oklahoma's playing really well. And then Louisville, it kind of depends with Louisville, man. Like Louisville was a team that on Friday and Saturday just left a ton of runners on base and, and just kind of limped through. I mean, they were hitting the baseball. They had almost ten hits in each of those games, but it was like ten hits where they had maybe one inning with more than two, you know, so they were really scattered. But on Saturday and Sunday, they started to string them together. If you get that Louisville offense? I mean, they can play with anybody. I've seen Texas Tech, um, excuse me, Texas A&M a couple of times this year. They're a really good, experienced team. They're playing great ball. Um, but Louisville's not going to be afraid of the arms. Louisville has arms in the back of the bullpen, particularly left-handed arms that are really, really talented. They've got a starter in Jared Polin who didn't pitch well in the regional, but has been really good all year. So I don't hate Louisville going down to College Station and playing Texas A&M. It's certainly a tough draw, but I think they're capable of, of, uh, of pulling the upset and going to Omaha there.
2: Roddy Jones with us here from the ACC Network. I'm biased because I'm trying to get down to Greenville and see if the Pirates can punch their tickets to Omaha for the first time. They have the NCAA regional record in terms of most regionals without a trip to Omaha in the nation with 32. And who are they playing? The team that's been to Omaha more than anybody else. It's just crazy, and it's what I love about college sports, that the University of Texas has to go through Greenville, America, in order to get to the College World Series. But there are other places, the supplies too, Roddy. I think about how crazy is it that Ole Miss has to go to Hattiesburg and play at Southern Miss in order for, to punch their tickets to Omaha. What regional or what super regional, pardon me, are you most excited to watch this weekend?
0: I think the one I'm most excited to watch is, is College Station with Texas A&M and Louisville because of the offenses that you could see. There's some really fascinating ones. I mean, you named two of them. The, I, I don't want any part of Hattiesburg this weekend. I don't know who <laughs> would, with all of Mississippi converging upon Hattiesburg, uh, to decide who's going to go to the Omaha from there, like it's going to be a bad wild day wild. to be a
2: cold beer, Roddy Jones and Oh, it's
0: going to be a bad weekend to be anything any, having to do with libation. So that <laughs> one's fascinating to me. The 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 Stanford Super Regional is is interesting too. UConn, a team that played really well, had to respond, getting in a, from a heartbreaking defeat in Game Six, coming back to beat Maryland in Game Seven. Stanford had to climb out of the losers' bracket against Texas State. To win that, the two and the three, like Stanford and Oregon State, very well could be sitting at home this weekend. They are not, and they're playing two teams: UConn, that sort of got this wind of belief behind them, and Auburn, who just absolutely demolished um, their entire regional. I feel like all, coming out of it, Auburn and, and Virginia Tech, you know, really look like teams that are that are going to be tough to play against. So. Those would be the ones, but every single one is compelling. Blacksburg. I talked about how well Oklahoma's playing. You talk about uh, Chapel Hill with Arkansas coming in, and and like for people who didn't go get didn't see the Stillwater Regional, go just check out the box scores and not only the box scores, check out the scores by inning. I mean, Oklahoma State was down twelve to nothing and won like twenty nine to fifteen. It was absolutely ridiculous. That thing was bananas. Um, so I think all of them are interesting. To be honest with you, the one that's going to get overlooked, I think a little bit as we talk about all these others, is what's going to happen in Knoxville. Mm. This is a Notre Dame team that had to win close game after close game in Statesboro. That park played big. Notre Dame only scored 11 runs in the entire regional. There were like six teams that had 11 runs in an inning in regionals, but they go to Tennessee They've got a really old lineup. I'm talking about fourth and fifth year seniors up and down that lineup. In the bullpen, they've got a guy in John Michael Bertrand that's fantastic, a competitor. Uh, stuff's not going to overwhelm you, but he's going to go out and he's going to grind. They play great defense, and they went to still they went to uh, they went to uh, to um, Mississippi State. Uh, they went to um, Starkville last yeah. year and took Mississippi State to a third game. So they have that experience to lean on. They're not going to be afraid by the environment. It it may end up being two and done for Notre Dame in, in Knoxville, but I would have my eye on that one because it's the type of team that could, you know, against the flashy Tennessee, could just frustrate them with how well they pitch and how well they play defense.
2: If you love watching baseball, you shouldn't overlook that because Notre Dame certainly could have made an argument for hosting, and Tennessee, they have a kid who touches 105 on the gun they have these hellacious bat flips when they hit home runs. And I also think it's a pretty cool uniform combo, too. That's always a plus and, for TV. And they,
0: might, and they might flick you off after they hit a home run. That, too. too. There's also
2: that part. Man, let's just throw the bird. Yeah. Roddy Jones joining us here. Hey, how about we do this on the way out? Let's talk football. Um, last season, around this time, talking season, as Mac Brown likes to call it, uh, North Carolina was the toast of the offseason. And we talked about them too much when we saw that uh, what it produced in the fall. And we didn't talk enough about Wake Forest and Pitt. When we convened together in Charlotte, who's the team Roddy Jones is going to say, yep, they're being overinflated this offseason while this team is being underinflated? So the
0: overinflated, like I think we're going to inflate. Teams properly for the most part. I mean, NC State is going to get a lot of love, rightfully so. Wake Forest is going to get a lot of love, rightfully are so. Are they? Um, is Wake Forest going I to get so. a lot of love? So it depends on what you mean by a lot of love. Like, people are going to look at Wake Forest, and I think they are going to say, hey, really good team. They're not going to look at Atlantic, which is what I would say, too. Um, to be honest with you, the team that's probably going to get underinflated is Clemson, because yeah. there will be talk about can Clemson win the Atlantic. And the default should be Clemson's going to win the Atlantic rather than questioning whether or not it's going to happen. That defense is fantastic. But if you want a team a little further down the line that I really like that I don't think people are going to give enough love to, it's Louisville. Um, offensively, they get basically the whole offensive line back from an offensive line that was one of the better ones in the ACC last year. Malik Cunningham, um, he will be the Devin Leary of this year, I think, where, like, people talk about Sam Hartman and people talk about Devin Leary and people talk about – TVD and, you know, maybe Soldier Kovac if we get back in there, and then then everyone's going to look and be like, oh, yeah, there's Malik Cunningham too. Malik Cunningham might be the preseason player of the year when I go to vote in July. I mean, he was fantastic at the end of last season for Louisville, with the exception of the Kentucky game, but nothing went well for them against Kentucky. Um, So I I look at Louisville, and I think that's the team that's probably going to get – probably going to be a little underinflated. I don't – but, like, it's hard this year because I think there's three clear top teams in the Atlantic, Clemson, Wake in T-State, and two clear top teams in the Coastal, Miami and Pitt. So outside of that, like we are not really going to – I don't really know what to do with four of the
2: other five teams. Can I throw a coastal, coastal team at you? Can I throw a Coastal team yeah, at you? Sure, absolutely. Love that. My fiance is going to appreciate this. Virginia. So, sure,
0: if you like Virginia, that that's, that's a fine pick. The thing with Virginia, and I did their spring game, is they don't have an offensive line right now. So they're going to rely on a transfer from like Dartmouth and a transfer from uh, I don't know somewhere else in the Ivy League realm to come in and start for them on the offensive line. They've got Brandon Armstrong. They've got talent on the outside, but someone has to block. New head coach. And right now they had they had seven. They have new head coach. They're going to do. They're going to run the ball more. They haven't run the ball well uh, in years. So and then defensively they were god awful last year. So I don't know what to do with Virginia quite yet, despite the talent of Brandon Armstrong. You need to find the offensive line. They're going to be better on defense, questions how much. Um, but I could say that about Virginia Tech. could say that about uh, about Duke to some extent. And then uh, Carolina is the one that probably I would put them in the probably not going to get enough love because I think they're going to be
2: decent next year. Roddy Jones, you're a pro, man. Do a little bit of everything. Don't, don't uh, work yourself too hard. And we'll visit uh, somewhere <laughs> before we all convene together in Charlotte next month.
0: All right, I appreciate it, Josh. Have a good one, man. Now comes the moment that you have all been waiting for.
1: All right, whenever you're ready. This is the drive with Josh Graham.
2: Headstrong by Trap. T R A P T. Very good. I'm all about this genre. In the mid-2000s. Oh, yeah. How would you define this genre?
3: Punk rock-ish?
2: Ocean Avenue, Yellow Card type deal. This is my but favorite type of rock. this is the same Papa Roach category.
3: Absolutely.
2: I cut my heart open. I sell myself short. One of my favorite. Great. I'm trying to think what else qualifies. Linkin Park they're too big
3: you wouldn't put them in there
2: they're too big for the category fair enough what about uh like nickelback too big yeah for the category hmm mm. this is a great place to start a segment that is based in improv based in a challenge months ago where someone said once a week josh you over prepare your shows just how i'm sorry you know lie, lay your hair back let your hair flow and just do something that you're not prepared for. And that's exactly what we, we've we been doing for the last month. I enjoy it. We call it, Who's to Say?
3: Three Days Grace, would you put them in that category? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. I, had, I was sitting on that one for a minute.
2: Hmm. I feel like there's another there's one. There's a specific song I'm thinking of. The one that goes... Take Me Out, Franz Ferdinand.
3: Uh, that's right. Guitar Hero 1, PS2.
2: Franz Ferdinand has a couple of songs. They're definitely in that category. Uh-huh. We just need somebody to help us out and help us that. define what this category is. Love is pop punk the best way we could do so? 336 1600 Also an invitation to you to steer the ship in whatever direction you care to because, after all... We're all in this together, and this is just a little bit of improv we do once per week. I'm going to go see the new Top Gun tonight. Are you? I am. I've been hearing very good things. I don't... If there's a chance I'm going to go see a movie, I don't read the reviews. I don't go to Ebert. I don't go to the New York Times or wherever. I stay away because I don't want to be influenced But I do highly value word of mouth among people that you get a read on. People that you've talked movies with. And if somebody's taste you respect says, hey, well, this is pretty good. I tend to respect it. And what I've heard from more than one person, they have not seen the first Top Gun and still enjoyed the second one. And another thing I've heard multiple times sat they did not like the first top gun they'd seen it but enjoyed the second one that's enough for me to at least give it a shot so sarah bradford and i we're gonna hit up an amc and tuesday nights they have the discounted tickets that's how we roll and we're gonna watch a movie tonight that's what we're gonna do
3: well, while you go watch Top Gun, I'm going to watch the new episode of Kenobi tonight.
2: You're not going to watch Seven tonight.
3: No, that's uh, Thursday. That's tomorrow night, right?
2: Well, the NBA finals are tomorrow night. You got to mm. pick a choose. Why not? Yeah. Why not just get Seven out of the way? Yeah. Knock that thing maybe,
3: out. Maybe maybe I'll knock because Kenobi doesn't drop till 3 a.m. So.
2: Oh, yeah, you have time yeah. between now and 3 a.m. Yeah. that you could watch. Yeah.
3: I got up last week. For like, <laughs> I got up at like 4.30 in the morning Well, you've last been waking
2: week. up early all this week, so it doesn't really matter. Yes, I, I have.
3: Guess. I have.
2: Make that happen. So maybe you could catch 7 tonight, or since the game's not till 9 o'clock tomorrow night.
3: Yeah, double duty.
2: You could probably figure that one out with the timing there, too. With the super regional schedules being announced today, I'm going to hedge my Greenville plans just a little bit. So I'm not going to be able to make it to Friday, regardless of what time the game was going to start. But I was fully expecting it to be a night game in Greenville, so I would be en route to, shall I say, a well-lubricated Greenville America Mm -hmm. and have a great night Friday night. But I wouldn't know what the result of the game is until I get there. Well, now we learned that the game's going to start Friday at noon. Okay. So, I might have a bag pack ready to go after we get off the air on Friday. But if Texas comes in there and just blows the doors off ECU in game one... I don't know if I want to make it down to Greenville just to watch them lose. And you might be thinking, Josh, you got to believe in your team. They could still come back and win the final two games. I guess it's true. But the alternative of just watching it on TV or maybe potentially making that trek on Sunday if they lose on Friday a lot greater than rolling up on Friday right after the show. I don't know. if you want in. I might need a little bit of input on that. It makes me sound like a bad person if I don't go down to Greenville because I have no faith that the team can come back if they lose on Friday night. That sounds like I'm being a bad person, but Will, are you with me? If Texas wins on Friday during our show, what do I do?
3: As in, like, do you still go? That's
2: right. It's a four-hour drive. Uh Uh-huh. Do I make that trick just to watch them lose? Or do I stay back and kind of still play it by ear? Eh. Screw it. Go. I don't think I'm going to if they lose. But I might have my bag packed on Friday. So if they win... I'm making my way down.
3: Yeah, that would be such a buzzkill, though. To have a bag packed and ready to go and
2: then... I'll tell you what a buzzkill would be. ECU losing the first game to Texas... Yeah. And you having to beat a team that's been to 37 College World Series twice... I could always get down there for Sunday if I need to.
3: But All right, but then what if they pull it off?
2: Well, like I said, I could still get down there on Sunday. Are you saying if they pull it off on Friday?
3: I mean, like if they lose Friday.
2: Yeah. They play Saturday. Uh And if they win on Saturday, that previously packed bag would go into effect, and I'd book it down there for Sunday's game. Yeah, I think you should still go. But when do I go? Friday night? I mean,
3: I'd still go Friday night.
2: Okay. I'll have to think about it. I
3: would. Grind it out, man. Be about it.
2: I'm just looking at my Twitter timeline. Busy Newsday. JRE. I didn't know was an assistant coach for King Rice at Monmouth, but he was, and now he's not. He just announced that he's stepping down as an assistant coach for King Rice. Probably should have brought that up when I ran into both of them outside a chicken joint in Virginia, and BDOT didn't recognize them and they looked kind of annoyed that everybody was recognizing dot, but not recognizing them. Like, aren't you King Rice? Yeah. And you're J.R. Reed? Yeah. What's up, guys? J.R. no longer the assistant coach for Mama. What do you got to contribute to who's to say today?
3: I went to Sam's Club last night.
2: Sam's Club date?
3: No. Just... Shopping at Sam's Club.
2: I was thinking about it. Sarah Bradford and I went to Costco. Did you over the weekend? And first thing we thought, this would be a great date. Be a great you know date. You know, you got we got samples, and oh, like yeah. we could go over the books. They have the book section. It's and, a
3: vibe, man. And, I'm and telling and you,
2: great people watching, and then you get like a cheap meal at the end of it. That both that that's just really good. Yeah, like, there's they're really. It's a bulletproof date. I think the youths. Or onto something there?
3: See, me and my buddy, my buddy was with me, and you know, I was like, "You ever had a hot dog from here?" He's like, "No." I saw something that I hadn't seen there before. It's a pizza pretzel, dude. Now that sounds interesting. Come on, no, you still got to try the chicken bake over no, at Costco. No, I'm the way. not gonna do He's it. He's not gonna. Do, guys. It's
2: I'm not gonna do variety. At it's only the spice of life. We're just gonna know. get <laughs> no, not at Costco. <laughs> Everywhere, hot dog. <laughs> get the hot dog. <laughs> That's it. It's not hard. Nobody's raving. Hey, we need to get the Costco chicken bake. It's Shut so up. Good. Don't you like chicken? Yeah, I like chicken. But you know what I like more? The dog. buck 50 <laughs> jumbo hot dog. Yeah, I don't know how much the chicken bake is. You're like the person who goes to a baseball game and says, you know what's better than a hot dog? Uh, Whatever obscure dish that they have at these games. Like, if you don't get a... No, if I get a Costco, I get a hot dog. If I go to a baseball game, I get a hot dog. That's what I do. And to give you the drink.
3: Sam's Club date does sound like a vibe, though.
2: Make it happen.
3: Yeah. It may I be- can't. I would. Uh-huh.
2: If I could, I would. But I can't. You no, can't. Can, so make it happen.
3: You can't, so you shan't.
2: That's been Who's to Sack. I'll never forget when I took this job four years ago, the great Ed Hardin told me in Charlotte, never forget one of the top sports in the history of the triad, and it's never changed, is golf. For the last 100 years, golf has always been one of the most important things around here and today. The cup is overflowing in terms of golf things to discuss, and that's why we bring in Chip Patterson here to join us from CBS Sports. Chip, a lot of places we could go, from Tiger Woods announcing that he's going to uh, pass on participating in the U.S. Open next week, prepare for St. Andrews a little bit later on, in the British, where I guess they call it the Open Championship now. Want to make sure I get that right. Uh, but I think we have to talk about live golf in the event that phil mickelson's now going to participate in and the fact that this is the week before a u.s open and the u.s open today announced that they're going to allow phil mickelson and others who have air quote defected to this live golf saudi backed league and allow them to participate in their major championship but let's view this from the pga tour perspective first how well Or unwell, has PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan uh, handled the issue in your mind?
1: I think that I'm not going to be a good grade. I I can tell you that PGA Tour Commissioner and grading the PGA Tour Commissioner is like grading the NCAA president. It's like grading the NFL commissioner or any uh, professional league commissioner. Like there's, there's a reason why even Adam Silver, who's widely viewed as you know, a, a forward thinking and innovative, you know, a a good leader for the NBA, but what happens still on NBA draft night? What will happen on NBA draft night? He's probably still going to get booed, right? Um, Those figureheads are not here to, um, to be celebrated, but here's what I can tell you is that I would say that right now the PGA tour has to feel like number one, it's comp, it does have competition that there is, a, an organization, a very well-funded organization in Live Golf and, and a leader in Greg Norman who's operating with a lot of uh, passion and emotion and real desire, and that they have successfully gotten to this point where they'll be at their first event. You know, there was a lot of comparison in my mind and in others to uh, the the soccer super league that they tried to form just because of the same idea of you know, pulling together the most valuable brands, putting them under one umbrella, automatic payouts for everyone. No one gets relegated. Everybody makes money. We're all happy. But guess what? The Super League fell apart. They never even got to put a schedule together. And Now, while there are some details that are still yet to really be ironed out, at least in terms of the presentation of it and what kind of broadcast media rights deals might be available, we're here. We are here at an event in London, uh, one that will have multiple major champions, one that will have. Um, Some some of the top amateur talent uh, in the entire world and some very recognizable names from the PGA Tour uh, that are all going to be participating in it. So the PGA Tour has competition, which brings me to my second point, that competition, it, it, it doesn't look like it's got a lot of teeth, at least right now. It looks like while there's a lot of money that's behind this, it does look like some of this was thrown together a little bit hastily. Um, the, the way that the announcements have sort of spilled over the way that we saw the press conference today, um, it looks as though there is very much an idea of let's get out there on the golf course. Let's get out there on our eight tournament circuit. And let's figure out the rest later. And so when I see the logos for these teams, when I see these team names, when I am reminded that we're going to be doing some kind of, you know, draft going into these events, to me, it feels gimmicky. And to me, it doesn't draw me in as a sports fan. But the point of this and the reason why I think that the PGA Tour does have competition is because there is a Dustin Johnson, there is a Phil Mickelson, um, and there potentially could be more uh, PGA Tour stars who end up deciding that they're going to go and uh, they're going to participate with the Live Golf Tour. So it's like, yes, it is real. It is happening. But no, it doesn't look overly impressive to my eye.
2: It's real. We'll figure out if they're fantastic by the time we get through this eight-event uh, circuit. Chip Patterson with us here on Twitter at Chip underscore Patterson. Uh, Cover three podcasts, something you should be checking out already if you haven't. Yeah, what are you doing? Make sure to check that out. How far, when you look at guys, Phil Mickelson's an easy target because you have the quotes from the book. But when you hear Dustin Johnson today, the guy sitting down, Graham McDowell, Louis Tyson and company, how far does the criticism have to go of these guys for participating in live golf before you would label it as unfair, Chip?
1: Explain, uh, could, could you elaborate? Like, like what? Do you think that they are being unfairly targeted? Is that kind of what you're getting at no, right now? I, I, no, being... I, I don't
2: know if they're unfairly targeted. It's just, if you want to say these guys are greedy and they're only doing this about cash, I think that's very fair. I wouldn't say that's too far. But then when I read a USA Today column from this morning that I think says, quote, that they're taking blood money and working for murderers. Maybe that's a little bit too far. Maybe, maybe. I'm asking the question.
1: My, um, I think it's an unimpressive move. I think that to, like, Dustin Johnson, age 38, is one of the younger uh, real stars. Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, they have the 2021 U.S. Amateur Champion. They do have other amateur talent, and that will be one of those options, I think, for a lot of younger players. And, hey, look, where did Brooks Kepka start his professional career? Brooks Kepka started on the European Tour. You know, we could see, uh, you know, similar moves where some young talent decides to go and get there. But when we talk about established professional golfers Justin Johnson at 38 is kind of on the younger end of the spectrum. So, you know, I'm looking at this, uh, and I say that my judgment of you as a professional golfer has more to do with running away from the tour that I believe has the most prestige, the tour that I believe has the best competition, and the tour where, even later in your career, you've got to be ready to go up against a Will Zalatoris. You've got to be ready to go up against the Colin Marikawa. You've got to be ready to compete against Victor Hovland and Matthew Wolf. And I think that to move into this no-cut, gimmicky format, everybody gets paid event, I, like, whether it's great or not doesn't matter to me. Um, but the idea that you are taking the easier road to a bigger paycheck, that, that's my judgment. My judgment of these uh, golfers as athletes, it probably starts first and foremost with the idea that they are signing up for working less and getting more money, which I think a lot of people could, you know, 100% understand at least that on its face. But for me, uh, someone who really views the PGA Tour and the PGA Tour's history with great reverence, I'm not going to go John Ron here and say pledge my fealty. I thought that was ridiculous and going just a little bit too far. But the reason why you've heard strong statements from John Rahm from Rory Mm McIlroy is because they respect uh, the history that's there, the legacy of that tour. It's why Tiger Woods has said, I'm always going to stick with where my history is and why he turns down gobs and gobs and gobs of money to go be a part of live golf. So like first and foremost, from my seat as somebody who is an analyst to talk about golf and other sports, my judgment of these golfers is you are taking the easier path to a bigger paycheck And you are avoiding uh, something that I would consider a much more impressive feat. You go win a golf tournament on the Live Golf Tour, I'm not that impressed. You win three tournaments on the Live Golf Tour, I'm not that impressed. You win one PGA Tour event, I'm probably more impressed.
2: Chip Patterson with us here on WSJS. Tiger Woods decided not to play in the U.S. Open for next week. He's looking ahead to St. Andrews. How does that news hit you?
1: Uh, About where I sat before the Masters. When we knew that he was gonna make a trip down to Augusta National, I said, okay, we'll probably have this about every year. I think that he will do um, the Masters, and I think he'll do the Open Championship. Sit out the PGA Championship at the US Open. You know, you kind of have a nice little calendar for him to be able to get his game, and most importantly, his body. You know, get it to peak for one type of golf in April, then get it to peak, for another type of golf in July, and then, you know, probably play a few other events, some sponsorship things, something that, you know, he might be tied to or might be particularly invested in. But for the most part, when we look at him competing on the biggest stages in golf, we would be getting him at those two major championships. I think that he played so well at the Masters, he wanted to see how things would go at the PGA Championship, where, as we know, he withdrew before the final round, and it's because it did not go so well. So not a surprise as it hit me today, and it brings me back to where we started back in March or April, where I think the two tournaments that you are looking at, if you are rooting for Tiger Woods to have success in big-time professional golf, I think your expectation should be set at just about two major championships a year. And at either one, if he puts it together, it could be something special. But Masters and Open Championship, those are going to be the two where I think we see Tiger.
2: Let's close with college is there a college baseball super regional or storyline that you're excited to follow this weekend?
1: Not yet. I'm very much like I I show up dumb and I am intrigued by the characters, the stories and, you know, what I see, like everything that came out of the Stillwater regional was nuts. Like all the home runs and the games that were all like these marathons and the swings back and forth that we saw Arkansas coming out of that regional is uh, very impressive, and I think that, you know, while North Carolina probably feels like it has its own mojo coming out of the loser's bracket, taking down VCU twice in a row, they are meeting an, Ar- a, an Arkansas team that is extremely uh, battle-tested from having to get out of Stillwater as the winner right there. Haven't uh, haven't gotten too much the you know, eyes on stuff outside of the Chapel Hill and the Stillwater Regional, so uh, I know Miami losing was a big surprise. I got a couple but.
2: to throw at you. You let me know. These are the two that I've circled. Chip Patterson, you tell me which is more intriguing to you. Ole Miss having to go to Hattiesburg for a trip to to um, the College World Series on the line. Or how about my alma mater, East Carolina, 32 regionals without a trip to Omaha more than anybody else. They are hosting for the first time in the history of their stadium. Clark LeClaire Stadium out east. And the team they're playing, the team that's been to more College World Series than anybody else, the richest athletic department, the University of Texas having to travel to Greenville, America, in order to get to Omaha.
1: Come on, Pirates Longhorns. Let's there's, go. There's no doubt about that. Let's go. I mean, there's, there's, there's no doubt about that. Look, <laughs> here's the deal. Uh, Old Miss and uh, Southern Miss, while they – are, you know, in-state rivals. Don't we see, like, in college baseball, everybody plays each other in the proximity. The way the college baseball schedule breaks down, you've got this midweek non-con game, and those are great opportunities for you to, you know, get out and play somebody that's in your state or somebody that's in a neighboring state. Ole Miss and Southern Miss playing baseball against each other, that's, you know, that's something that, while there are high stakes, I think the familiarity kind of, like, takes something off of it being truly unique and special. But ECU hosting Texas, like, come on, man. I'm all in on that. Now Now I've got to find more time out of my weekend to try and watch some of that.
2: Noon Friday, game one of that series. The head coach of the Pirates, Cliff Goblin, going to join us on tomorrow's show. Excited about that. Chip Patterson, always excited when you drop by. Try to keep a hold of everything going on in the golf world as the, the ground moves beneath us in that sport, it feels like. And we'll talk to you sometime soon.
1: Good. Y'all be well.